What would your DJ name be if you were a DJ? Um, DJ Brown Sugar. Brown Sugar? Or Sugar, depending on how you want to pronounce it. With the G-A? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spinning all the buttery blends. Oh, yeah. Or you can call me uh, DJ Snickerdoodle. The Quiet Storm with DJ Snickerdoodle. How would that sound? You're on with DJ Snickerdoodle, a.k.a. DJ Brown Sugar. I'm with here, spinning on the tracks. Spinning on the tracks. We're out here, sliding down the pole. We'll take your calls at 715-216-9387. That is 715-218-9387. I'm doing well, but how are you doing? And that's our intro for Two Gods and a Goose. Yes, 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 yes. You hear the thriller? You hear that thriller, Sam? Oh, yeah. That means only one thing, man. It is the two gods and a goose Halloween extravaganza. The big show, man. Wait for it. Wait for it. I have an idea. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) That did not work at all. Okay, continue on. Sorry. I was trying to find like a ghost going like, ooh. So we don't ever stop the recording here. I was, you know, we're just going to let Sham. I let him fall on his face sometimes. So that was Sham's. That was Sham producing the show. That's what Two Gods and the Goose would sound like if Sham was producing it. Uh, it is the Halloween uh, extravaganza. The, the uh, big show. Uh, I am staring. Everyone, I'm going to tweet a picture out. Um I'm staring apparently at Sham's version of me. We were going to dress up uh, and I just Sham dress, decided to do the uh, the thing where he was going to dress up in what he thinks I look like. So he is wearing a uh, do you want to describe what your 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 outfit as you're being me right now? Yeah, so uh, I'm Sham, but I'm, I'm actually just being Keith for today. Uh, you know, I'm wearing my hat, my hat backwards. Uh, I got my sunglasses Sunglasses on, super bright, um, and I uh, got my two gods and a goose shirt on. I got the mic covering my face, uh, like always, and uh, and yeah, the one thing I'm missing is the big ass headphones, but that's about it. And I got my styrofoam cup somewhere here. Is it filled with pre workout or is it filled with tequila? You'll never know. Two gods and a goose. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand the voice. I don't really get that. The glasses he has on the aviators are, are ridiculously large, which is stupid because I don't. That's not me. Uh, but anyway, Miami, Sham is uh, Sham has literally uh, done his his he he did two Halloween costumes. Anyone that follows us on Twitter, he's falling back in his chair right now, laughing. No one finds Sham funnier than Sham. Best believe. Uh, his two Halloween costumes this year have been me apparently, and if everyone saw us on social media, I tweeted it out uh, this weekend. Uh, he was Mister Three Hundred Five Pitbull, and he took the whole thing extremely serious. I was Mr. Worldwide for that for that day. I had the 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 dress shirt, black dress shirt with the pop collar, had the aviator sunglasses. I had and I I usually have a beard, but I actually shaved it down to just have the little soul patch like chin beard connection thing that he's got going on. Uh and yeah, when you know, I went out in the club and you know, when a pitbull song came on cuz of course it always does. Uh you know, People were looking to me, and I was the center of attention, like always. You were you were out in the club, out in the club, Mister Three Hundred Five. So yeah, so this is our Halloween show. Um, we have a really cool show this this week. We have we have a really uh, a cool guest, Tessa Morrow. Um, she's how would you say basically a ghost hunter? 
Yeah, I think the the PC term for it is paranormal investigator. But yeah, she's just like like any of those ghost hunters you see on TV. They she she goes to haunted places, carries her recording equipment and whatnot, and then you know breaks it down and checks it out afterward and see, sees how haunted places really are uh, after the fact. So really excited to talk with her. Yeah, so we're gonna talk to her in a little bit and um, talk some ghosts and. Um, you know, that whole thing we have a, uh, everybody gave us amazing feedback on our ice cream discussion. So we decided that we're going to do a, uh, part two to that. And we're going to discuss and debate Halloween candy. Correct, Sham? And I see you, you're already dug in. You have some strong takes, um, ready, locked and loaded. Yeah. I have a pretty strong top five power ranking of, of Halloween candies, but we'll go through, um, uh, food and Wine Magazine's power rankings of Halloween candy first, and then I'll give you my correct ones uh, afterwards. So, yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay, so uh, as we start each show, let the people know where they can find us. We also have merch. Run it down for them. Let the people know. So you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, if you just search Two Gods and a Goose, we have merch uh, on Public. I will tweet the link out um, once this pod drops. But... Uh, with each shirt that you buy, all the proceeds go towards some charity, depending on which shirt you buy. And actually, fun fact, uh, starting October 30th through November 1st, there's a 30% off sale. So make sure you go and get your merch. Goes to a good cause. The shirts, I'm wearing one right now, um, and it's extremely soft and, and comfortable. So definitely make sure you get one. People will ask, and you can be like, wow, you know, I'm just wearing the shirt of the greatest podcast on earth. Okay, so we're kind of uh, about a week and some change into the NBA season. Uh, we want to kind of jump and, ta- and talk some. We're not going to do a ton of sports on the show today because the last episode was super sportsy. So we're going to kind of do the Halloween thing. But I wanted to kind of touch on a couple things uh, with the beginning of the NBA season. Uh, I wanted to kind of throw the first lob, I guess, no pun intended, into your court uh, and talk about uh, Blake Griffin. This first week from Blake Griffin has been something that we have not seen before from this player. Well, he's certainly earning his contract, I'll say that. I mean, he has been the heart, the soul, the body, the engine, the everything to this to the Pistons so far. And honestly, the Pistons could be easily two and two or one and three or, you know, whatever the record might be without Blake Griffin. And he's been a, a major, major, major factor in the Pistons' success thus far. They're four and one by the time we record this podcast. So what isn't great is that the Pistons need to rely on him to drop 50 points to win a game. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, it was more kind of about Blake Griffin in the first half. You know, I've been a, a truth teller, in my opinion, on him for a while. I think he's been somebody that's kind of been a great athlete that I always was like, okay, he has some basketball skills. No question is his ability um, to run the point forward for his whole career has been outstanding. He's been a dude that is definitely a highlight reel but I always was like, all right, where is the basketball player? Where's the guy that you can really look at as an incredible basketball player, a skilled dude um, outside of kind of being a highlight highlight reel? And in the last week, I mean, I've seen a dude that I, we've never seen before. I mean, understandably, his some of his numbers right now um, will come back to earth. The shooting, I mean, I think he's shooting like 60% from three. That t- Those type of things right. are not sustainable. Obviously, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's red hot right now. But the things I've seen from him that I haven't seen before, you know, I've seen one or two solid post moves. I haven't seen his, you know, he's been kind of a mess in the post for his whole career. You know, he'll catch it. He'll his footwork is kind of questionable. Um, I've seen a lot of improvement that clearly has happened in one summer that are sustainable things. You know, the footwork change, the the actual post. I mean, he went through seven, eight years not having a go to post post move. You know, a lot of guys have a two dribble jump hook or a fade or whatever. He never had one that you could tell, okay, you know what I mean? Every big has that go-to move. He never Mm -hmm. really had that. So I've seen two multiple, you know, um, moves that, that, that he's went to in this first week. So that part is exciting to me. And he's been able to kind of, uh, you know, I feel like the, the athleticism via injuries and kind of age and, you know, has kind of fallen off a little bit in the, in the last couple of years. And, and usually players adjust to that. And I feel like, He's finally this year, this last summer, adjusted to it. And I understand health plays into it, but um, that's the part that has been exciting for me to see of Blake Griffin this week. Absolutely. And like you mentioned, post moves, that has been the primary source of the Pistons' offense this whole season. I mean, 
they just they had they have Blake post up and then Blake either scores on his defender or the opposing team would throw two, three, four, sometimes all five people in the paint to stop his posts. And Blake Griffin is is really, really good at finding open people. Uh aside from Blake, what else has kind of grabbed your attention in this first week? It's been a fantastic. We've had a lot of close fantastic. games. Man, it has been it has been an outstanding. We had a fight. We've had all types of all types of action in the first week, week and a half, two weeks ish. What other things have stuck out to you from this first for these first two weeks? Uh, Steph Curry is amazing, like every season, but this season he's on a mission to break some three point record or something like that. He's just shooting like uh, that game against Washington. He just was chucking up shots from wherever, whenever he wanted, and he was making them. And it was just one of those kind of nights for him. And he's had more and more of those this season than, than I can remember. But he is he is looking like the early front runner for MVP, in my opinion. I mean, those guys look unbeatable like never before this year, right? I mean, they, they look, I, I mean, come on. I don't on. know how you beat them. No, they, they look like next level. I mean, they're on cruise control, and they just look a Grand Canyon size better than everybody else right now. And, and the Rockets are struggling. Yeah, the Rockets. Compa- uh, I mean, if you compare the two, they they are not like they're not in the same league at all right now. Yeah, the Rockets is something I I had written down that I want to talk about. Obviously, we kind of know last year they were, if not better, right there with the Warriors. Uh, the Rockets have significant I- issues right now. Uh, we talked about it last summer or this this previous summer and coming into the season. Uh, the losses of Trevor Reza, the loss of Luke Fournames, the wing defense was going to be a huge deal. I yelled that from the top of the mountains. You add Carmelo Anthony. I, he's a nice guy, but it's always a negative when you have him on the floor with you. Uh, they are horrendous defensively right now, like horrendous. I saw a stat the other night uh, against the Clippers where Carmelo Anthony gave up 32 points as a primary defender uh, mm. against the Clippers. I mean, something like that is just mind-boggling. The Rockets look awful. I don't even know. Honestly, in the first two weeks, and I understand they'll straighten it out. They're start, still probably going to win 50 games because of the offensive po- firepower, but they're not even anything like last year. We haven't, I haven't seen anything like last year in these first two weeks, and, and there's multiple teams in the West that I probably put over them right now. Honestly, they, I mean, we, we had talked about this on the last episode, but they really need to make a trade for Jimmy Butler because he would really help in, in pretty much everything that they're struggling with right now. And okay, like I, PJ Tucker, we talked about this at, at length in our last episode. But I, if the hesitation is around PJ Tucker, like you got to reconsider because right now the season isn't going the way that they wanted to, and and the Warriors are looking more and more like I don't know how you take a game from them. They're looking that good. No, I mean the the Warriors. Uh, like I said, they they look like you know Grand Canyon difference better than everybody else in this first week. Uh, some other teams that have kind of stuck out for me this week uh, that I've kind of caught and, um, you know, kind of been impressed with. Obviously, uh, everyone was really high on the Denver Nuggets. Our uh, our girls, Nitz and Leslie, had them in their top three in the Western Conference on the last episode. I was a believer. I don't know that I was a top three believer. But after watching that team defensively, watching that team, how they share the ball, they're the real deal. They've impressed me. Uh, and the Utah Jazz, I mean, I'm looking at Rudy Gobert as a defensive, you know, he's a reigning defensive player of the year. And you're talking mm-hmm. about a guy now that's playing offense, that's contributing significantly offensively. And that's a team that also is really their their number one option. Donovan Mitchell has not had the same season no. that he's had last year. So when he starts to get going and that team lacks like a shot creating, you know, driving and finishing kind of player in, in that's what Donovan Mitchell, that's the 40 field last year. And that's why they were so successful. When once he starts to get it going, the 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 thing that kind of stuck out me to me with the Jazz is like you just said, Donovan hasn't really got it going yet. Uh, but Rudy, I mean, Rudy Gobert is averaging 18 points a game right now. Um, he's leading the NBA. He's he's shooting an, a ridiculous 75 percent from the field, which is mind boggling. Uh, he's contributing well, offensively. Shots come from- no, put away. Right, but if you're talking about a guy that's never really contributed offensively, he's contributing with the defensive right. yep. um, impact he already has. <clears throat> Holy cannoli, man! That that's that's crazy. So you think about yep. the Jazz, the Nuggets. You know, and I understand two weeks we're all kind of just grasping at straws here to an extent. But you talk about the Jazz, uh, the Nuggets. New Orleans has been insane. Uh, even though that's kind of an Anthony Davis thing at this point. I mean, I think he, they were like a plus twenty one when he's on the on the floor. Uh, compared to like a negative 20 when he's off the floor. So that's, you know, obviously he's 
Anthony Day. I mean, he's Anthony Davis, so that that impact you expect. But if you're talking about Houston in the West right now, I mean, you're not feeling good if if the playoffs started today. And if they start today, that's a, you know obviously that's ridiculous. But if they started today, I mean, you're looking at New Orleans, the Jazz, Denver, potentially Portland. There's multiple teams you're liking better than Houston if if it was to start today. You couldn't say that last year. There was a significant dif- difference between Houston and those teams behind them. So that's cause for concern if you're Houston. No, I agree. But I, it, it's also only been like, what, five or six games? So teams go through stretches where they struggle, especially a team that's gone, that's gone through so much change. There are bound to be growing pains, and especially when you add a guy like Melo, you have to learn how to play with him. They're bad now, but I, but maybe they'll figure it out. I. I want to have this conversation after 20 or 30 games. So it's just early, but I would definitely keep an eye on them for a trade down the line. If maybe they'll want to make a move, do something small to, to kind of adjust and tinker with that roster. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely early, but I guess the, my thing with Houston right now would be there's cause for concern. Cause you're looking at teams, like I mentioned, the Pelicans, the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Blazers, you know, those teams look better than Houston right now. And so, uh, Houston probably, like I said, will still probably win 50 games. They'll fig- get it figured out. There's a lot of offense. Mm-hmm. Harden is, you know, Harden. So, um, you know, they're probably still going to, still going to get it figured out, but the defensive issues, and and everyone who 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 talked about it, you know, you can't you didn't say it enough with with the Trevor Reza with the wing defense that they lost this summer. That was a significant part of why they were so close to Golden State last year. And when you trade that away, there's going to be impact. So cost for concern, I think, is the is the word the phrase to put you know to label Houston with right now. And I know you have a Jim Beheim take. I, I want to get to that, but real quick, I want to talk about a team that's really really been predictably disappointing, and that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And they just fired their coach, Tyron Lue. Uh, was it this morning or was it yesterday? I can't even remember. But they fired him. And Kevin Love is now going to be out for a month plus. So I don't know what they really expected from Tyron Lue. I'm not a Tyron Lue supporter. I don't think he's a very good coach. But at the same time, like you have to have sympathy. Like Firing a coach six games into a season where you just lost a transcendent and gener- like generational talent like LeBron James what you're left with are just the spare parts that remain. They're predictably 0-6. Like, they should have given him a little bit more time to at least work with Colin Sexton. Uh, they're probably not going to win. That's fine. But what did you expect? Did you expect to be a playoff team? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and I'm going to kind of echo some of the things you said. Who didn't have Cleveland at 0-6 right now? Uh, that's my first thought. My other thought is, what would Dan Gilbert's record as an owner be without LeBron James? Uh, that's my second thought. Uh, third thought is Tyron Lue, whether you think he's a great coach or a good coach or an average coach, you won a title for your team less than two years ago. Uh, you, I hate the fire coach mafia. It's always the coach's fault. It's always we're going to do that. So I, I'm, I'm going, what did you expect at this point? Uh, and Cleveland, honestly, is a purgatory, and it's going to be a purgatory moving forward. Kevin Love's out for a month. I told you guys on the last episode they're going to win 20, 25 games this year. That's their max ceiling. It's funny that they're talking about the roster as it is right now, whereas this is the same roster that all you did was take one guy off this roster. Let's be honest. That's the impact LeBron James has. They are a 20-win team without him. They are a 50-something win team with him in the NBA Finals, and that proves again the impact LeBron James has. So Cleveland... It's Dan Gilbert. Get out of here, Cleve. Agreed. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I did have a, a quick uh, Jim Beheim thing. What do ghosts use to wash their hair? What do ghosts use to wash their hair? Shampoo. <laughs> Jim Beheim. <laughs> They'll get more meal tickets. Shut. The- get out of here, Beheim. Hey, why don't you coach for meal tickets, Beheim? Like, why don't you coach for meal tickets? We'll pay you in meal tickets and see how you like it. Pay you in a free education when you don't even go to the class and tutors do the work for you. See if you like that. Been working all my life. You're working on the back of unpaid labor. Bayheim. 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 What do you get when you cross a cocker spaniel, a poodle, and a ghost? I don't know. What do you get? A cocker poodle boo. (laughs) Give me one more. Give me another one. What do moms dress up as on Halloween? What do moms dress up as on Halloween? Mummies. Is Tessa on the line? What kind of pants do ghosts wear? What kind of pants do ghosts wear? Boo jeans. (laughs)
Hello, this is Dracula. You're listening to two bloods and I mean two gods and a goose. Happy Halloween. No podcast hits us. Because they ain't us. So, everybody, there's a very special guest we have on. It's a treat in, in a field that I'm genuinely interested in. As a kid, I used to watch ghost adventures all the time. So, we have a real-life ghost buster, ghost hunter, Tessa Morrow, uh, founder and lead investigator of Paranormal Prowlers. Tessa, how is it going? It's going amazing. Thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. <laughs> this is something that we are uh, we we kind of talked about, Shaman. I've talked about for the last month or so that you know, with the Halloween episode, we kind of wanted to have somebody on because uh, you know, this is something that really interests both of us. And and I'm gonna just kind of put it out there. I'm kind of on the fence um, on this whole thing. I'm kind of a believer, but I'm kind of like make me a full on believer. So I'm really interested in, in kind of hearing some stories and, um, you know, kind of learning more about this. And I, I would my goal with this with this interview is to be pushed over the edge to where I really am a believer, a full on believer of, of everything. Oh, OK. Challenge. I like that. And what I really like is what you are, an open minded skeptic, because that's what you are. You're a skeptic, but you know that there is a possibility that there is such a thing as supernatural and paranormal and spirits and ghosts and what have you. And so that's awesome. Cause then there's the other skeptics who are just like, Nope, never. <laughs> I mean, I would say I'm, I'm kind of a little bit more towards the believer than Keith is, but I'm also a little bit skeptical. So let's say, okay, I'm sitting in my home. How do I know if I have paranormal activity? There's there's different hauntings, you know, and there's been times where people get like have a feeling like phantom smell or like poltergeist activity, even um, just different things like that. But it always is different. Sometimes it's very negative. Sometimes it's positive. Sometimes you think maybe that's grandma. Every situation is unique. And honestly, I'm more the person who goes to asylums, jails, brothels penitentiaries, mines, uh, cemeteries, different things like that. I'm not more a residential haunter. Um, I, I've gone before and that's a completely different investigation. Uh, you guys are both skeptic, like open-minded skeptics, more on the believing side. I would love for you to join me on an investigation sometime because there's nothing more than to be there, not watching it on TV, but just being there in person and being there for the whole investigation and seeing how it happens, you know? So, I mean, on these, I mean, so you're going to places that, that have, that have had a lot of death, have had a lot of sadness and, and yeah. whatnot going on and then like asylums and jails and whatnot. But so let's say, all right, let's just role play here. So I, so let's say Keith and I go on an, uh, on a hunt with you. What are some of the things that we feel physically when we're in the presence of some sort of paranormal activity? I'll just speak from my own experiences. Um, I've been touched before. Um, last week, um, it was actually October uh, 21st, I went to this uh, museum that was very, very haunted, um, Museum of the Bazaar in Wilmington, North Carolina, and we had a ton of shit going on. I was touched kind of on the lower back, kind of closer to the hip area. Um, it just, like feels like somebody's grabbing at you. And I looked behind me. Nobody was there. There were two other people with me and they were in front of me. My friend Teresa actually got scratched. The spiritual encounters are always different. There's I'm a sensitive. So I get first off like phantom smells immediately. Um, you could just feel the presence of somebody there. You know, like when somebody walks past you and you could feel like kind of like the, the breeze, like, you know, somebody walking past you, you could feel that. Um, uh, okay, so I'll give you a great example. One time I was in Jerome Grand Hotel in Jerome, Arizona, a small mining town, and it used to be an asylum back in the day. And it was actually, for people who watch shows like Ghost Adventures, it was actually on Ghost Adventures. And it was actually the episode where Zach Baggins almost died. Um, he was kind of filming where the Otis elevator was coming down. And if it weren't for Chris Alther, my friend, who grabbed him and yanked his feet out, he would have been crushed and died. Because he was kind of reliving an event where a man died when it came down and, like, crushed his face. And so, anyways, I was in that hotel, and I was on the fourth floor where the infants were, the nursery. And I was in room 40, and you walk in through the first doorway, and it kind of is a little tiny hall. And it leads to another room, to room 40. And I'm standing there. 
And all of a sudden, I feel somebody, a hand <laughs> clasp on my head. And I was wearing a beanie at the time. I, I feel this hand clasp my head gently, and it squeezed three times. So it clasp, squeeze, pause, squeeze, pause, squeeze. And so it was just very interesting. Um, and I looked, and I'm always a debunker. So I'm always going to look to see if, like, you know, debunker is like, okay, dog bark, you know, whatever bark, somebody cough car drive by. And so I was looking everywhere. I couldn't see anybody. Nobody was around me at that time. And I got some EVPs in that room too. And it is really interesting when a spirit touches you. I've never felt violated even after being scratched. You know, you're, you're being touched, you're feeling it, you're sensing it, and yet nothing's there. It's unexplainable, like 100%, you know? Okay. So uh, let's kind of reset. Cause I, I, I want to kind of... Um give the people a little bit of a, a, you know, a little better understanding of kind of some of the things you're talking about. I'm, my sister is, is a big time uh, fanatic with stuff like this. So when you say EVP, I know what that means, but kind of explain what an EVP is. And then at the same time, kind of talk about things like a phantom smell, like what kind of, you know, kind of explain that for the audience as much as well as you can to kind of let them understand what you even mean. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So phantom smell is something that you smell that isn't really there like or that it was there like a long time ago um like i used to live in an old lumber yard it was this really beautiful condo and several years earlier decades earlier it was a lumber yard and there were times where we would be watching a couple movies like binging out on like scary movies or whatever and we'd be watching them and i'd be there for for a couple hours in the same spot with nothing and all of a sudden this strong cedar piney smell would just come out of nowhere and I would look at my boyfriend and my sister who were sitting on the couch next to me. And I'm like, guys, come here real quick. Can you smell this? They would come over and they couldn't smell a single thing. But for me, it was overwhelming. Like you think like everybody in the building could smell it and nobody could. And um, there's been times where I've smelled my grandma's baking and she's been gone for about five years now. And I even had a medium tell me, hey, you know, if you smell her cooking, it's her saying hi to you. And so whether it's like, you know, grandpa's been gone for several years and I'm smelling his cigar or his cologne or something, just their way of saying, hey, I'm here. I miss you. I love you. So that's what a phantom smell really is when you're smelling something like that. Um, and then for EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, um, I call it voices of the dead. To me, that's a gift from the spirits. Um, there's nothing better than when you're at an investigation and later on when you're listening to the audio and you're asking a question and you're hearing a man or a woman or a child speak when you didn't hear it before. You can't hear it with your own ears. And that's why it's so beautiful to have such amazing, simple tools. Like and I say simple because the digital recorder is one of the most simple tools an investigator can have, but it's my absolute favorite tool. If I had to go anywhere like Waverly, where they wouldn't let us bring anything, I snuck in my digital recorder and I won't go anywhere without it. And it is, it's phenomenal when you hear these voices or these sounds, these disembodied footsteps, um, this weeping, you know, anything like that. Yeah, definitely throughout the years, I've gathered quite a few EVPs and people, yeah. So for people who've watched like Ghost Adventures or Ghost Hunters International or, you know, Ghost Asylum, any of those shows, You'll definitely hear all about the EVPs and stuff for sure. Tess Morrow, uh, she is the founder and lead investigator of Paranormal Parlors with us on Two Gods and a Goose. Uh, <laughs> my initial, I, I kind of want to jump. Um, all this is so fascinating. It was kind of, you know, we were kind of preparing for this. I didn't really have a, a structure to it. I was kind of just interested. I wanted to jump into it and kind of see where it went. But I kind of, when you started telling, you know, some stories and some instances, my initial thought was, how does one get into something like this? Like how did, what kind of drew you into this? I mean, is this something that started super young for you? Is this something that you got into as you got older? You know, what, what is the thing that kind of triggered you to be interested in, in something in a field yeah, like this? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I, <laughs> people ask me how long I've been investigating the paranormal and I tell them close to 10 years, but really I've been fascinated with the paranormal for so much longer. Um, Ever since I was a child, really, um, I, I wasn't like the kind of Barbie person. I was more like the boogeyman and scary movies. And I, I don't know why it fascinated me, but it did. And 
my mom, and I don't remember this, of course, because I was only two years old at the time, but my mom told me that there were several times where we would be in the car, and this is when we were in California, and we would be driving, and all of a sudden we would pass a graveyard or a cemetery, and I would be like, graveyard, graveyard, me, go, and I would be screaming at the top of my lungs, like, no kidding, and she said I would be kicking, my little legs would be flailing and kicking in my baby seat, and I would be assisting to go, and my mom's like, how the hell does this little two-year-old know what a freaking cemetery is? Like, are you serious right now? And I, I don't know. I honestly don't. But I just always loved those movies. I was never afraid of it. I just, like, was, like, really obsessed with it almost. So when people say, you know, how long have you been a paranormal investigator? Really, just 10 years. But I've been going to these places without equipment and going to, like, Alcatraz and Winchester for decades. So, Tessa, um, paranormal activity gets a lot of, like, bad rap. like. Uh, like a lot of people are scared of it, don't want to understand it. So I guess like the question is like, is it always bad? Like you mentioned getting touched and scratched and whatnot. Like, is it always in a malicious intent or is it more of in a way that the spirits are trying to like learn more about you or? Yeah, that's a good one too. That's a good question too. It's definitely not all negative. If anything, throughout the years I've been doing this, it's been really rare where I've dealt with negative spirits. And I must say that... The one time I did get an attachment, I was being a little asshole. These guys like killed several people um, in the Bisbee. So if you ever Google Bisbee 5, that's that's who I'm talking about. And out of all the years doing it, the one time I was disrespectful was when I got an attachment. And so that was my most negative um, thing that I've ever dealt with as a paranormal investigator. And Red Sample stayed with me for about four to five weeks. And, um, besides that being scratched a couple of times, yeah, I've dealt with it a little here and there, but for the most part, it's really just this phenomenal positive outcome. Um, I've, I've communicated with friends in the past. Um, one of my best friends who passed away in 2013 is with me like almost all the time. And I've had mediums even come up to me and tell me his name and how he looks and that he's here and saying things that only I would know. And so um, I've had a few bad experiences, but oh man, the good ones really. Now, when you say attachment, does that necessarily mean like, okay, you go to Arizona or, or North Carolina for some, for some hunt and does that ghost like follow you home? Like I live in Minnesota. If I were to come down to North Carolina and some ghost gets some attachment to me, is that ghost going to follow me up to Minnesota? Yeah. Um, so spirits will attach to basically anything to objects. You hear about haunted dolls, you hear about haunted objects. I'm the kind of person like I love antiques. I love old things. However, I'm a really weary what I bring into my home because if you go into an antique store and buy something, you possibly could bring something home without even knowing it. And I'm not going to say it's bad or good, but you just never know with that kind of stuff. The whole thing with the spirit world is that there's no experts, really. You know, we're all still learning. There, Nobody knows for sure. But for me, I've gathered so much evidence, whether it's faces and orbs. And I know orbs are a controversial thing in the paranormal world. But orbs with faces, most of the time it's dust. And I'm the first to admit that. But when there's a face looking back at you... That's not dust. That's a spirit straight on. I've just had so many things happen to me that I have no other choice but not only believe in paranormal, but I 100% know that it exists very much so. I've gotten voices. I've even this morning, I was going through my investigation at that haunted museum I mentioned earlier, and it's, it's intense getting a shitload of EVPs uh, that, you know, the spirits, uh, the voices of the dead. This Thanks. might be a really rudimentary question for voices you, but of the dead. I guess like, what is the purpose of ghosts? Like, are they here for a specific reason? And once that reason is fulfilled, do they go away or like, like why, like what, like why are they stuck between, you know, the real, like the real world and the afterworld? Um, that's a really good question. Still trying to figure that out. Um, in my experience, you know, if people died like a sudden death, Sometimes they're stuck in their death state. They don't even know that they're dead, unfortunately. Um, so at the museum I was just at, there's a man who lived next door who had a serpentarium um, just full of cobras and mambas and snakes. And his name was Dean Rippa, who was an um, international snake expert. And 
about a year and a half ago, and I met him several times, sweetest guy in the world. And um, about a year and a half ago, his wife killed him. And um, my friend, Teresa, she's the reason why we investigated there. She's like, you know, I'm always seeing his apparition. Every single day I see his full-bodied apparition. And it's like, you know, this one area where he would be, and he'd always walk past because he owned that building. And he'd say, hey, Teresa, because the um, museum was right next to his Serpentarium. And um, he'd say, hey, Teresa, it's just me. Then he'd walk past. And she said, it's that area that she's constantly seeing him almost on a daily basis. And then when I went there just on the 21st, she told me that she hadn't seen him in the last few days. And what happened was in the last few days, his wife, all charges were actually dropped. Um, she's still going to spend the rest of her life. She's going to spend the rest of her life in an asylum because she's not fit um, to stand trial for murder. And everyone knows she's guilty. So she she'll never be a free woman. But I think that um, Teresa said that she truly believes that he was sticking around because he didn't want his wife to be um, sent to death, even though she caused his and that. He never spoke or smiled, but she just knew he wanted something. And ever since they did that and took away the death sentence and said, okay, you're going to, you know, just stay in this one spot for the rest of your life, um, live your natural days out. And he's never been seen since. However, when we were there, he was communicating a lot with us. It's always just different. You know, um, my, my friend who's with me all the time, he died very suddenly. I, I'm still trying to figure him out. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what exactly he's looking for and what he wants. Um, some people kind of give me hell for it, saying, you know, release him, let him go. And I'm like, bitch, I'm not putting him in a cage. He could go if he wants, you know. But when it comes to spirits and why they're here, I don't know. That's a really good question. Uh, Tessa Morrow, founder and lead investigator of Paranormal Prowlers with us uh, on Two Gods and a Goose, and she's absolutely killing it. Uh, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> Tessa, a, a question that is, is going to sound super novice, you know, and, and you hear this a lot, the term, the, I guess the term witching hour. And people talk about a certain time in the middle of the night when the spirits tend to come more alive than other times. Is this a real thing in your in your um, experience? Have you seen this being a, a regular thing? Kind of explain the witching hours. It kind of just a, 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 you know, urban myth type thing. You know, it's interesting. I and I know I keep saying this, but I think for every paranormal investigator, it's possibly just different. Like, I know it's like around like three to four. A lot of the times it's like three fifteen in the morning. And they say that, like, if you wake up in the middle of the night around that time and you just feel something like a sense of dread or you feel like you just woke up from a weird dream that most likely something's there staring at you. And from a person who's had night terrors for almost most of her life, um, you know, there's times where I'll wake up and a hand will be over my face and, uh, or I'll see a floating head. Um, I don't know if that has to do with witching hour or not. Uh, there's times where I investigate, um, during that time and I've gotten phenomenal things, but also I'll get it during the day too. Um, there's some investigators who refuse to investigate during the day and I don't know why, but it's, it's interesting because me, for the most part, I've gotten so much more during the day than at night investigating wise, um, EVPs, spikes, just results like that. Man, but we got Tessa Morrow on with us, founder and lead investigator of Paranormal Prowlers. Tessa, just to wrap it up, give us like your your scariest experience. <laughs> just walk us through start to finish that, that, that story that you look back on and you're like, wow, that was genuinely terrifying for me. You know, it's it to be honest, I haven't had a moment where I've been absolutely terrified yet. Um, yeah, looking back, I, I, I guess I am really lucky because a lot of my experiences have been with like my grandma and my best friend and just people that I know. Um, I really honestly haven't had an actual terrifying um, experience yet. And if I have, I don't know why it's not coming to mind. And I wish I did have one because I guess this is the Halloween special. So I wish I had something super spooky. I, I do have like, um, you know, when I was at the, um, I, again, I'm going back to Tombstone, um, which is like one of my favorite places to investigate. But I was at, Watt and Tarbell Mortuary 
And it is, and this isn't like terrifying, but it's interesting um, to say the least. And we were there, there were about four or five people at the very beginning, the ovulus, which is like a handheld device. People who've seen ghost shows will know exactly what I'm talking about, but it's a handheld device. And um, a voice will come through saying words. It has um, a few thousand words, I believe. And um, so to communicate, they can use those words and manipulate the tool to their advantage. And then voice, you know, the voice will come through and it'll say what it is. All of a sudden it says pull, tug, hair, long. And this woman had super, super long hair. And the woman who like runs the um, investigations at that at that location, at that mortuary, she warned us all that, oh, we have a spirit here who loves hair and who, like, is notorious for, like, touching hair and pulling hair. And so we're like, okay, whatever. And so I get actually on my recorder a few EVPs of a man saying hair and pull and tug. So we're standing there, and all of a sudden, this is, like, at the end of the investigation, and the woman, she's like, oh, my God! And I kind of look behind her and with my own eyes, I kid you not, I see her hair parting like a part of her, like a big chunk of her hair is getting moved to the side and there's nothing there to move it. There's no, like that I could see with my own eye, but I'm seeing this happen and I'm seeing her reacting to it. And she like could feel it even though she couldn't see it, you know, and that was really interesting to me. And then we, um, so I started taking pictures and I'm taking several pictures just everywhere. And in one of those pictures, um, I could actually send this um, picture to you guys, but this picture, you could see on top what looks like a red noose. And then below is a blue figure. Above, okay, so I'll send you two pictures. The, the original is what I just said, and it's dark. So it's like just like a black. And then the, the noose and the figure. And then when it's lighter, um, I lighted it and enhanced it. And you could see um, on the side of the noose, on the right side, what looks like a man, just like his upper torso. And you could see his arms dangling down. And to me, that picture was really telling, like, you know, because people don't understand, but in Tombstone in the 1800s, that mortuary, Wanton Tarbell Mortuary, they buried with the exception of four or five people, I believe, every single person that's been, that is buried in Boot Hill Cemetery in, in Tombstone. And that's a lot of people. Like, there's a lot of people buried there, and there's um, a lot of people who've been hanged, you know. Um, again, we're, like, talking about back in the 1800s when this was just, like, you know, in 1900s when this is, like, early 1900s when this was a regular thing, you know, like, you're guilty of something you're going to hang like literally. <laughs> and so that picture to me was really, really awesome. And, um, this was the same day that I got my attachment by the way. And so at the boot Hill cemetery, which was only like a couple blocks away from the mortuary, but, uh, just very cool stuff. I know that wasn't terrifying, but I just like love talking about that part because it's so interesting with the noose and the, and the figure. And it's, it's neat when you get these things on camera, you know, like the photographic evidence part. No, absolutely. And, and um, you know, I, I think your storytelling has been outstanding. I mean, and we've sat here just been we haven't even needed to talk much. The stories have been <laughs> uh, have been fantastic. Uh, Tessa Morrow, uh, can't thank you enough for being a good sport and coming on with us. Um, let the people know where can they follow you on social media? Where can they? I mean, I know you're. You're probably covering on Instagram and you probably have some cool stuff. So where, where can the people check you out? So on Instagram, you can find me on official Paranormal Prowlers. Twitter, I believe it's at DJ underscore Prowla underscore K-I-C-H. And then also Paranormal underscore Prowlers at AOL.com. If anybody has like paranormal stories or anything that they want to share with me because i love hearing that about people um so let's see i think i covered it all twitter and then oh yeah and then friday night is my paranormal talk show on kich worldwide radio as well paranormal prowlers i'm all paranormal prowlers baby <laughs> <laughs> nah i love it and and i'm going to announce this right here and i know sham is with this we are going to come up there next year and we're going to do our show live from up there next year because i want to witness this i want to go on i want to go on 
on a run with you. I want to I want to see all this. I'm super fascinated by this. So we're absolutely teasing this. Absolutely. You guys are welcome anytime. But I know there's like several Civil War battlefields and take you around, use the equipment, get some evidence. Awesome. All right. So uh, go follow Tessa on on social media. Uh, Thank you so much again for hanging out with us. Uh, And next year, the show is going to be fire because I can already tell. I can't wait. Whoa, this is a ghost and you're listening to two gods and a ghost. Happy Halloween. What do you call a fat pumpkin? What do you call a fat pumpkin? I don't know. A blumpkin. Oh, hold on. Wait. A plumpkin. Plumpkin. The P. Only plumpkin. Sham would read a joke improperly. <laughs> so you like candy, huh? Uh, so let's talk about uh, some power rankings of candies. Keith Keith is a yeah, noted... I'm going to stretch my arms. I'm going to get ready for this. I'm ready to battle, man. Keith is a noted candy corn hater. It's very polarizing. It's like peeps. Um, it's one of those candies that you just you, you either love it or you hate it. I'm I'm of the opinion that they are one of the best candies in Halloween, and I'll go through my 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 power rankings. But first, let's yeah, go I through. know you're gonna you have a you have a top ten ranking, a top five or top ten ranking um, by food and wine, right? But I just want to uh, commend you. I think yep. the example comparing it to Peeps is a good thing because Peeps are hot trash too. So that's a great comparison. Both garbage. And, and and in fact, the best thing to do with Peeps is you put them in the microwave for maybe like five seconds. And then first of all, they expand. And then second of all, they're a little bit warm and melty and you eat them and it's fantastic. And all that sugar on the outside melts a little bit. It's, it's, it's perfect. But we're talking about Halloween candies, not Easter candies. So without further ado, let's get into the food and wine ranking, power ranking of And you're going to do, we're going to do so, uh, uh, bells and, and buzzers to this, correct? We're going we're gonna to basically give our takes and they're either a buzzer or a bell. You, got, you have that locked and loaded over there, right? I do. Everybody loved the bells and buzzers from last time. So, you know, we've got to give the people what they like. So what we'll do is we'll do a, we'll go through the top five power rankings of candies on food and wine. And then I'll give you a little bonus uh, right before we start. Okay. Okay. So the bonus is an honorable mention. Coming in at six on Food and Wine's power ranking, Milky Way. Number six? They're not horrible, but not the top six, man. Yeah, not the top six. That's a buzzer for me. Yeah, I'm also uh, a, a major buzzer. I'm, I'm actually going to give it two. All right, there we go. Milky Way is such a plain, boring candy. And honestly, every time I get it, I always give it away. That and Three Musketeers might be the worst candies that you can get on Halloween. Yeah, I mean, how I always break down can- the uh, Halloween candy when I was a kid is just, you know, trash. Like, you hate the person that gives out the crap, and you love the people that give out the good stuff. So Milky Way would have been in my I-don't-really-like-that-person pile. Does that pretty much cover my response to Mil- Milky Way? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Now, there are some people who like to give out, like, salty snacks, like chips or pretzels or something on, on Halloween. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm going to give that a major buzzer, actually, for any sort of chips or salty snacks. If you give yeah, apples, you deserve yeah, a less amount of buzzers. Oh, you give apples. I, yeah. You give apples, you sh- your house should get egged, period. I'd rather get razor blades than apples. Okay, so number coming in at number five on Food & Wine's power ranking of Halloween candy is Kit Kat. Uh, I love Kit Kats. I would put those in my top five solidly in my top five. I'd even dare to say that Kit Kats are in my top four. Kit Kats, uh, if I was going to, again, go with what I said, where I either like the person or I hate the person based on what they give me for Halloween candy, I would like this person. Kit Kats are definitely a bell for me. They're definitely a heavy go for me. So I, I like Kit Kats, the but they're definitely going to give me the bell? bell? Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. There you go. Right, yeah, definitely a go for uh, me. I, I like Kit Kats, but they're not like they're not like a top five candy for me. They are maybe like a second tier. I mean, they they might fall within my top ten, but they're definitely not in my top five. But they are good. I like them. Um, I am of the opinion that you don't need to break them off like the way that they are intended to be broken off. They're in my top ten, but not in my top five. Nice wordplay on "break me off." I like that. Nice job. Okay, so coming in at number four. Yes. On the food and wine power rankings is peanut butter cups. Now they now they didn't oh specify whether it's Reese's or not. Number four, but peanut butter cups. 
Peanut butter cups coming at four. I honestly don't even know if there's another brand of peanut butter cups, but um, they actually make an interesting comment. They said that um, it's interesting to try them in the freezer, which I think was is unique, but I still feel like I wouldn't like them, and they're not in my top five, but they're just like Kit Kats where they do fall within my top ten. I'm not going to give it a ding. It doesn't don't deserve you, a ding. But don't you dare give Reese's a buzzer. Yeah. Don't give it a buzzer. Listen, here's the thing. Food and wine, get out of here. Get the hell out of here. Reese's is the GOAT. Reese's is the LeBron James. It's ridiculous. Uh, imagine not liking Reese's. I literally say that all the time. No. Oh, no hold on. No buzzers. On. Sorry. Yes, yes. There we go. Major ding for yeah, you there. You I, I misunderstood. I thought you were saying that it, that you, it wasn't uh, in your top no, five. No, I'm not ridiculous. Uh, so, no. Okay. It, it's absolutely right at the top of my, uh, at the top of my list. Um, if I went to a house that, had, that gave me Reese's when I was a kid... I almost wanted to protect that house from anything bad happening to it. Uh, you want to go even further and be the goat. If you were a house I went to as a kid, uh, you would give me the king size Reese's or the actual bigger size Reese's, the actual regular size candy bars. Those houses were always a win. Reese's is a win. To have it anywhere but number one is blasphemy. And I don't appreciate food and wine. Get out of here, food and wine. It's not, it's not number four or number three. It is number one. The end. So coming in at number three on Food and Wine Magazine's power ranking of Halloween candy is Twix. And let me just say first, Twix, I'm not going to tell you where, but they do appear in my top five. Um, I think Twix is is a unique candy where it combines almost all of the good elements of other candies. It has that nice little wafer. It has beautiful caramel, beautiful chocolate on the outside. And the bite that you get from it is unlike any other. And then the best part about Twix, especially if you get the big kind, it comes with two. Twix is definitely um, in the top five for me. It'd probably fall five, number four, number five. Uh, but you were definitely, um, you know, in the in the houses I liked. If you gave me Twix when I was a kid, uh, if you were if you were handing out the the bars of Twix, you were definitely, um, you know, I'm I'm definitely giving you a high five. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a that's a ding for me. Uh, I'm in on Twix. Nice. And now we're coming in at the, at the runner-up for Food & Wine's power ranking. Coming in at number two is Butterfinger. It's probably one of the worst candies that you can receive on Halloween. Um, it, it is right up there with, or I guess right down there with Three Musketeers, uh, Milky Way. Um, it, it might even be as bad as getting an apple. Um, it is a disgusting candy that you are inevitably going to chip or lose your teeth on and it gets sticky and it's, it is just gross and having it number two on this list is absolutely blasphemous. So I'm going to give it a major buzzer. I'm actually going to give it three buzzers. Let me, uh, let me one more now. Three Three buzzers. Uh, um, so I don't, I, I don't know what they were doing. Yeah, uh, the thing on Butterfingers for me, I think I, I don't know that I put it in the top five, but I probably would still like the house that gave me that. But I think it's solely because of my peanut butter, my love for peanut butter. Uh, I do agree with a lot of uh, your takes there. Um, that is the food that, um, you know, when people used to say, you know, don't spend all your money on candy, it'll rot your teeth. Uh, that is the food they were, that is the candy that they were, they were referencing. That'll rot your teeth. Yeah, yeah, you know, it gets stuck in your teeth. I would say the Butterfinger experience is not the most enjoyable uh, overall, um, but it still is probably something that I'm that I'm giving a ding to solely because of my love for peanut butter. Give me the ding. Can I, yeah, okay. So, uh, but to have it, I just want to kind of add this, and this goes for the one that the last one we talked about. But to have Butterfingers against uh, ahead of Reese's again is complete blasphemy. Food and wine is a joke. All right, this list is a complete joke. In my personal record book, Butterfingers are not in the top five. Uh, but to have them above Reese's again, just completely laughable. Like, get out of here. That's fair. Completely okay, so the you. number one, let's go. So number one on Food and Wine Magazine's Halloween candy power rankings list is Snickers. I'll just read what Food and Wine had said about it. They say the Snickers is almost the perfect candy bar. If God ate candy bars, they would be layers of nougat, peanut, and caramel. I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in a lesser chapter of numbers. I don't know what the last sentence means, but it seems like they're all about the variety that you can get within one Snickers bar. You get the nougat, the peanut, the caramel. 
Um, they even make a dark chocolate Snickers, a white chocolate Snickers. Um, it's in my top 10 and it's a very good candy. Sometimes I'll even substitute a Snickers for like a protein bar or if I'm about to go work out, I'll pop a Snickers real fast. It's the one candy that I genuinely feel like will fill you up um, as opposed to providing with empty calories. So I I do like Snickers. I don't think it's this high on Are my list. A, a bell or a buzzer? It's, oh, here. Uh, it's, it's a soft bell. Okay, soft bell. In fact, let me just lower the volume. Yeah, turn the, bo- yeah, yeah, turn the, the bell down a little bit. Quiet bell. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm agree. I'm in agreement with you on that. Uh, for me, Snickers is. I would say my probably in my top set six or seven. Uh, it's not in the top three or top four. Certainly not number one. That's ridiculous. Food and wine. Like, you're, you're, what do people at food and wine know about candy? Honestly, but I still would probably put Snickers as a bell for me. Uh, and I would still probably like the house that gave me Snickers as a kid. Uh, it's not in my top three, but I would say it's in my top six or seven and and I would be in on Snickers. Now I'm going to go through my top five and I also have a surprise for you. And it's actually my honorable mention as well. So my honorable mention, and since we're on the topic, it's actually Snickers, um, for exactly the reasons that I had, I had stated before. Um, I like the fact that you can get the big ones. There's even like a half size one and there's even, and then there's of course the fun size one you get on Mm -hmm. Halloween. It's, it's probably one of the most popular candies. So no matter where you go, whether it's Halloween or at an office or doctor's office or whatever, it's usually there. Um, so it's something that I, I, I do enjoy. I do eat often. Well, not often. I don't eat candy that often, but I eat it more than, you know, Butterfingers, for example, but I gave it a soft ding before. I'm actually going to give it a, a like a loud name okay. now because it did. It it was an honorable mention. I just didn't want to okay. give anything away. So we talked about that. Number five on my list is Twix, and we talked about that earlier too. Kind of for a lot of the same reasons as Snickers. It gives you a variety in each bite. There's two of them. It's also popular. You can find it almost everywhere. Um, so let me give that one a ding as well. And it's a ding for you yeah. as well, right? How'd yeah, you feel about I'm in on Twix too. You're, I just want to make sure you're dinging your own list now. That's what we're doing on this too? Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Because okay. all okay. of these will be dinged. Yeah. It'd be weird if I buzz okay. my own list. But uh, number four, it's a candy we haven't talked about yet. Number four for me is a Crunch Bar. Crunch Bar, when I was a kid, it was probably one of my favorite candies. It still remains to be one of my favorite candies. Um, it comes small, it comes big. Uh, it comes in white chocolate, dark chocolate. So I just like that crunch, that rice crispy kind of thing that you get from a crunch bar. Uh, so I'm going to give that a, 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 a yeah, I'm in on that well. one too. We talked about that, uh, with the ice cream that we like that, that has some of the crunch bar, the, the ice cream, you know, that has the crunch bar outside. We talked about both being fans of that. I am in on crunch bar too. I would probably put crunch bar in my top five solidly. So that definitely gets a, yeah, that definitely gets a, a ding from me as well. Okay. So now we're going to round out the top three. Uh, I know you're a peanut yes. butter fan, so you'll probably okay. like this one. Um, number three on my list is Reese's, not the cups, not the cups, the Reese's pieces, the ones that are, that look like M&Ms. Those ones are fantastic. And I'll tell you why, because one, just like M&Ms, they don't melt in your hand, they melt in your mouth. Um, that's actually their slogan. Uh, so Reese's pieces, you can carry them around. They don't create this mess. Like with the cup, if you're going to have, if you're going to open up that Reese's pack and there's two cups in there. You have to commit to both. You can't keep one cup in there and just keep it out. You have to commit to both. The packet's already open. The cup is already exposed. For the Reese's Pieces, you can have that resealable package. You can eat five of them. You can eat one of them. You can eat the whole package. It's a kind of candy where you can save some for later. And I like that because I don't always like candy in abundance like that. Reese's Pieces is number three. I'm going to give it a ding again. Um, for me, you, and, uh, yeah, you threw me a curveball in that one. I'm definitely in on Reese's Pieces. It's Reese's, it's peanut butter. I'm in. Don't need to go any further. Definitely in my top five. I am in. Give me a, give me my bell on Reese's. I'm in on all Reese's. Yes. Now here's where we're gonna have a fight. Okay. Number two, candy corn for me, and I'll tell you why. Because it's it is also one of those seasonal candies. It'd be weird to eat candy corn any other time of the year. You only really get it during Halloween. It's only really appropriate to eat it during Halloween. And let me just preface this by saying like there are candy corn imposters that are in the shape of pumpkins or, you know, other shapes and whatnot. Candy corn is the kernel, the orange, the white, and the yellow uh, 
kernel of corn that you get when you eat it it tastes like sugar and it's fantastic and just like the Reese's Pieces you can eat them at will you can eat one you can eat 10 you can eat 50 you can eat three you can four uh, so you you have the choice the the freedom of choice with candy corn um it's fantastic I don't know what what's not to like about it it's just sugar and fun fact if you arrange the candy corns in a circle they actually look like a corn on the cob so there's that as well. I don't know if many other candies do that, but those are my takes. Let me give that a quick ding. Um, in fact, let me give that two dings. Yeah, h- here's the thing about candy corn. You're absolutely right. Uh, they are an imposter. They are an imposter of good candy. Uh, it's blasphemy. It, they are terrible. Get them out of here. Candy corn's terrible. In, in fact, at the store the other day, I put a Reese's in front of the candy corn bag, and I was uh, thinking of myself as a hero for doing that. Candy corn is terrible. Uh, I don't know anyone that likes candy corn other than a couple people that just have terrible taste, uh, you being one of them. Uh, it's just get out of here. You know, if you got candy corn, you know, trick-or-treating on Halloween, we mark that person's house as let's egg it at, at, at a future date. Uh, candy corn's blasphemy. It's disgusting. To even put it in the in the top five of any candy discussion is, is blasphemy. Uh, yeah, it's trash, man. Huge. You yeah, want give, two buzzers? Give me like for that five one? buzzers. Get, just buzzer it for a second. Candy corn, trash. Get out of here. Okay, so now we're going to get to the number one candy on my list and honestly should be on everybody's list. And I think you might even agree with me on this one. And it also, uh, let me do a quick flip through this food and wine thing. I don't think I saw it on well, here either, which I wine. thought the was. The food and wine thing was a joke. We already established. Yeah, it's, it's garbage. Yeah. Um, so for number one on my list are peanut M&Ms and specifically the peanut M&Ms. And they, they have a lot of the same qualities that the Reese's Pieces has, um, where it doesn't, it doesn't melt in your hand. It melts in your mouth. You can eat one, you can eat 10, you can eat 20, you can eat five. But I think what separates it is that each bite has one entire peanut in it. And I think that peanut, that, that, Perfect peanut that's encapsulated within that little like candy is better than the peanut butter that you get in the Reese's Pieces. And I think that bite itself is more satisfying than what you would get from Reese's Pieces. So I'm going to give that um, dings until you give me your opinion on. Uh, 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 yeah, the, no, 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 I like it. It's not something I'd have in the top 10. Uh, having it at number one is laughable. It, it again speaks to your uh, your horrible taste buds. Quit dinging it. It's not a ding. It's a bu- it's a buzzer for me to have that at number. I mean, your top two are trash. Uh, number one is not. At least it's uh, it deserves to be in the conversation of good candy. Uh, it's not anywhere near the top. Yes, it's not anywhere near the top though. Uh, that's ridiculous. Your top two are laughable. Uh, what do vampires take when they are sick? What do vampires take when they are sick? Coffin drops. <laughs> Give me another one. You got you got a couple more lined up there. Of course. What is a ghost's favorite pie? What is a ghost's favorite pie? Booberry pie. <laughs> Last one. Where do ghosts buy their food? Where do ghosts buy their food? Where do ghosts buy their food? At the ghostery store. It's just two bald guys hanging out with a goose. Don't make it weird. All right, you know how we end each and every show. Uh, it is my dad's favorite uh, part of the show. It is Ask Sham. Hashtag Ask Sham on Twitter. Uh, Sham, are you ready, man? Are you, you know, you get, you have to do your push-ups and you have to get, you know, all fired up. Are you, are you ready to go? I am so ready. Give it to me. Give it to me. And now it's time for Ask Sham. Question numero uno. The lottery recently hit 1.5 billion. What is the first thing you would do with that? I would buy the Cleveland Cavaliers and turn that franchise around. Uh, Josh Dumel called out the Warriors and specifically Draymond Green for laughing at his ex-wife Fergie's national anthem at last year's NBA game. Uh, and the Warriors responded by dancing to a remix of said national anthem in the locker room. Good or great trolling job? First of all, Josh Dumel or Duhamel, whatever your name is, who the hell are you? Why are you coming back eight months after the, the All-Star game is, has occurred? Why are you complaining about it now? Be a man. Talk about it in February when the All-Star game actually happened. Great job by the Warriors for trolling him. 
Great job by Steph Curry for laughing at him. Draymond Green for laughing at him. He, Fergie deserved to be laughed at. She, she deserved to be shamed. She got shamed in February, and she should be shamed again now. Uh, Sham, do you believe in the Kansas City Chiefs? I believe that football is a dying sport. A replica to the Titanic called Titanic 2 is setting sail in 2022. Is this a bad idea, Sham? I'll tell you what. It's a great idea, and I'll tell you why. It's because Titanic, the original, had to go through icebergs left and right and center all throughout the Arctic. In 2022, there's going to be no ice left. Titanic 2 is going to sail smooth, smoothly across the Arctic. It might even be warm outside. It might be one of those tropical cruises that, that they're going to go on. So fantastic idea. Great idea to wait until 2022 to do it when the environment is completely destroyed. Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are playing one-on-one for $9 million on pay-per-view next month. Uh, who wins this, Sham? The real winner are the people who are advertising doing this because you're going to get millions of dunces to watch two old men play golf and probably in the most boring sport on the history of the planet besides NASCAR for $9 million and you're going to pay 20 bucks for this? Garbage. The real winner is the people making the money. A remake to the 90s movie Clueless is in the works. What the hell, Sham? Yeah, what the hell is Clueless? I've never seen that movie. Um, Honestly, Clueless is what you call me half the time, so, you know, what the hell? Uh, What is your favorite scary movie? Uh, My favorite scary movie was Cleveland Cavaliers 4-0 loss last year finals. Uh, I got an email this week entitled Building Your Wealth After 50. Should I delete it? Of course not. You've just turned 50, so you need to work on building your wealth, building your health and you should definitely take that email and read it to its entirety 50 cent spent three thousand dollars to buy 200 front row seats at jaw rules concert so they could all be empty is this a good or great trolling job champ it's a great trolling job and i'll tell you why their beef has been going on and the best way to solve that beef is by emptying out the stadiums and having nobody appear at a jaw rule concert but honestly would those 200 seats been filled anyways? Who the hell is Ja Rule? Uh, and last question, Lonzo Ball is shooting 41% from three in the first week and a half of the NBA season. Thoughts? Unsustainable. What a bust. Shoot 42%, then call me. That is Ask Sham, uh, hashtag Ask Sham on social media. Uh, that is the Halloween uh, extravaganza, the Halloween special. What do you think about the show, show today, Sham? Uh, definitely top 10. We will see you guys uh, in a couple weeks.